0: Pastor Xavier Reese, and the simple truths of our dependency on prayer.
1: Ian Bounds stated, quote, When the church is in the condition of prayer, God's cause always flourishes, and His kingdom on earth always triumphs. When the church fails to pray, God's cause decays, and evil of every kind prevails. Wow. Where else can we go with the prayer?
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Martin Luther has said, I have so much to do, I cannot get along without giving three hours daily of my best time to prayer. Is it any wonder, then, that the will of God for our lives is to pray without ceasing? And in a special Simple Truth study drawn from the Gospel of Luke and devoted to the prayer life of Jesus Himself, Pastor Xavier shares much insight from not only what Jesus prayed, but when he took the occasion to pray. Let's listen.
1: Prayer speaks of a complete dependency on God, and there is no greater example in the scriptures than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we examine his prayer life. The Gospel of Luke uh, provides for us, this will be the primary text, it captures the Prayer life of Jesus as he's moving through life and ministry, through the difficulties, through the good times. Jesus is portrayed as the second man from heaven, as you know, the last Adam. Being God, he emptied himself of his glory, he took on the form of a servant, and he came to die for the world. As a perfect man, he experienced all human weaknesses, yet without sin, we're told, in the likeness of sinful flesh. And he continued in this intimate and personal fellowship with the Father that he had before he became flesh as he continued in this prayerful, intimate communion and sweet fellowship with the Father. Always he with the Father. We never get a record where Jesus prayed with the disciples, our Father. Now you're going to see the example of that prayer, but he never said that. He never included them. He was on a complete different level than us. So what we want to do is um, observe the various occasions that our Lord and Savior, as we said, had prayed during his life here, to teach us our complete dependency upon him, but what each individual occasion indicates for us as believers. So let's begin here with the first occasion Jesus prays. It was at his baptism in chapter 3. Jesus was uh, with the people, among the people, ready to start his ministry. That's the context. Uh, verse 21, Luke is the only one who tells that Jesus was praying at his baptism, by the way. That's why it's such a rich gospel. The heavens opened up in verse 21, confirming Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity in 22, descended in the form of a dove upon Jesus. Now, you know, the dove is symbolic of gentleness, empowerment, and enablement for ministry as Jesus will be driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, where he will defeat the devil in chapter 4, verse 1 through 13. And we saw that in great detail already. This was the sign that was given to John the Baptist, on whom the Spirit descends, he is the Messiah, in John one thirty three. you know Jesus was his cousin. Now notice in 22, the voice said, You are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Confirming Jesus was his son through the Incarnation, confirming the approval of the life of Jesus for ministry. The voice of the Father is recorded three times in Scripture, the baptism, Mount of Transfiguration, and the cross. Three times. This first occasion of prayer by Jesus marks a dependency on God for one's call to ministry that is directed service with the empowerment to carry it out. That's our application. Each of us are called according to God's gifts that He imparts to us. First Corinthians 12, 13, 14, Romans 12, uh, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, 10. We have at least one gift. But God calls us. God enables us. So we need to go to Him. You have to go to God. What are your gifts? We encourage you to get involved. And it's a lot easier to steer a moving object than one to stand still. So you go to God. What are my gifts? What am I calling, Lord? Direct the service. Now, all believers are called a ministry. But all are called a ministry of reconciliation for sure. We're not all called the same ministry. But one ministry we all have is a ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5.18. All of us being born again know what it is to be lost. All of us being born again know what it is to be forgiven. All of us being born again understand what it is to be in fellowship with God and to know what life's all about and what's going to happen when you die. Now once you know that, why would you keep quiet? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. For every opportunity that God opens up, we share Christ. Jesus told the disciples they were to tear in Jerusalem today, they in to do with power from on high in Acts 1.8. They would be witnesses to him, not for him, not just sharing, but to him. And he would see that they're living out the, the gospel. And be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. It's by depending on him. Jesus calls it the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts 1.5. It's one of six phrases that indicate the empowerment for service. So the first occasion Jesus prays was at his baptism in preparation for ministry. If you are going to be prepared for ministry, you must pray to the Lord. He prepares you. Now you get instructed, but it's God who's teaching you. But God will direct and God you directed service to be effective. Now notice secondly, we go to chapter 5. The second occasion Jesus prays was when his ministry began to make overwhelming demands on him. In chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, just two verses, Jesus has just cleansed a leper in the city, and the result of the news of the cleansing of this leper was so great that multitudes came all around to be healed of the infirmities. Verse 15. And so in verse 16, the practice of Jesus, by the constant demands of people, was to often withdraw into the wilderness to pray. The word withdrawal means to slip away into the wilderness. It's also recorded in chapter 4, verse 42. He always did this. They, they found Jesus praying or they would look for him. He wasn't there. He was out praying alone. Do you take time to just be off on your own? Now, we're to live in an attitude of prayer constantly. But do you have times when you just get off along with the Lord? You know, we live in such a noisy, mechanical, and high technology world. You need to shut some of those things off. I don't know how some of you do it. Facebook, Twitter. Text, voicemail, this, that. My Lord, it takes me a half hour to clear just my emails in the morning. I don't see how people have time to think. To contemplate the truths of life for, for wisdom and everything. He would pray to the Father for direction, guidance, and strength. Jesus never did anything on His own. He always got His orders daily from the Father. The example for you and I. The word prayed. Like the first that we saw means to adore and worship. He's in fellowship with the Father. So the second occasion of prayer by Jesus marks a dependency on God in order to be able to continue to serve effectively. Anybody can start in ministry. There are many people who say, well, God's called me and they start a church and it's gone. Well, God's called me and whatever and they're no longer there. It's to continue effectively through the years. consistent. I've told you before, if you leave here, when you come back, 10 days, 10 years, you'll find me doing the same thing when you left. Teaching the Word of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Effective service. In spite of the demands in our lives by people, we need to spend time in prayer. It's so easy to get moved away from that, to be pressured. And so we get confused and we get pressured to do the will of other people or what appears to be the most important, but it's not really the most important. It has been said that the tyranny of the urgent will always take the place of the more important without prayer. Therefore, we are commanded and exhorted throughout Scripture to pray. We're to pray without ceasing, First Thessalonians 5.17. And without ceasing means we're in an attitude of prayer. I have time when I... I go to the Lord. I have time when there's special needs that the people ask me to pray. But as I walk all day, as I'm taught, I'm, I'm, I'm in an attitude of prayer. That when things come up, I'm shooting things up to the Lord, and, and whatever happens, I'm, I'm in an attitude of prayer, dependent upon Him. We're to pray about everything, supplication and thanksgiving, that we be not anxious for anything. Philippians four six and seven. That our hearts and mind be guarded. We're to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching to the end for the perseverance for the saints. Ephesians 6.18, that's at the end of the armor, the warfare. The many you are born into Christ, you're born into warfare. All you can do is be a good soldier and learn the warfare and pick up your armor that is not carnal but spiritual, bring down the strongholds, resist the devil, and end up standing after resisting and combating or be taken captive. The choice is yours, not mine. If you remember in Exodus 17, Moses was praying as uh, Joshua was out there uh, fighting the Amalekites. And as long as Moses' arms were up, Israel prevailed. When they were down, Amalek would prevail. And so Aaron and Ur lifted up the hands and held them up of Moses. It's a surrender to God, and it's a plea to God to depend upon him, that he would direct and guide us. So the second occasion Jesus prays was when he... His ministry began to make overwhelming demands on him and be able to meet them. I have to draw from the Lord so that I choose the priority, the most important, what he directs me, not what people tell me or pressure me to do. The third occasion is in chapter 6, verse 12 through 16. Jesus prays here for the choosing of the 12 apostles. Jesus is going to choose 12 apostles out of the multitude of disciples to be his 12 apostles to carry on the work of ministry when he departs. In verse 12, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray all night to God, his Father. That's how critical this decision was going to be. And there's critical decisions in your life. Who you're going to marry. Where you're going to send your kids to school. Where you're going to move. Do I take this job? Do I hang out with this couple? Very important decisions. The word for prayer there is used to address God in prayers. That's a different one. And it's prayer in general with the idea of worship and reverence. And it's always to God, never for man. It's only used for God. He was communion and fellowship with his father. Sweet counsel together. Jesus at daybreak called his many disciples to himself and he chose 12 and he named them apostles. Verse 13 says, now, the third occasion of prayer by Jesus marks a dependency on God through prayer to point out and to raise up men and women God desires to use for the work of ministry. This is from the pastor side. This is the leadership side. There's looking for God to direct and point out and raise them up. We're praying. How dangerous it is that the choosing of men and women from the church for the work of God can often be measured by wrong standards. So many churches are so quick to put people in because they're wealthy. But churches do. And the minute you find out, ooh, really, that's who he is. Well, they'll put you on a committee right away, a board right away. Because now you're, you know, it'd be a big tither. Often it's by their education. Oh, you have degrees or this and that. And so you exalt them above it. And, and we put them in ministry thinking. Listen, ministry is spiritual. Now, I'm not against education. Get all the education you can. Once you get it, get over it. No, God picks those people. Jesus said, the harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. God is the one who chooses the people for ministry. Not me. The fact is that none of these things mentioned disqualify you for service for the work of God or ministry. But if that is the sole reason why you're chosen, it's absolutely wrong. From the pastor perspective, we need to be praying that God raise people up and anoint them and equip them. And that we would be sensitive to acknowledge that and, and, and let God put the ministry together. The qualifications for bishops and elders and deacons is given in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And those are being ignored by many, many churches. They should never be ignored. Those must be met. They're not my qualifications. They're God's qualifications. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.22, Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. First Timothy five twenty two. How often pastors and ministers have put people on ministry and then they find out they didn't check their background, they did that, they just you know because they're popular or anything else. The third occasion Jesus prays was for the choosing of his twelve apostles for the ministry. Notice fourthly, chapter nine. The fourth occasion Jesus praised was at Caesarea Philippi for revealing Jesus. Jesus is at the northern region of Galilee at the foot of Mount Hermon at Banyas, one of the headwaters of the Jordan rivers. This was a place of worship of Pan, the God of nature. Legend says that he was born in the cave there at the foot of Mount Hermon and we get the word pantheism. Everything is God. Now, Jesus alone, look at verse 18, uh, Jesus alone and praying to his father. When his disciples joined him, then he asked them who the crowds were saying that he was. The word for prayer, Again, is adoration and worship. This is the third time it's used. There was various beliefs about Jesus. They're given to us here. John, Elijah, or the prophet. But nobody will say Messiah. The spokesman for the group is Peter. He says, you are the Christ of God. Verse 20. Now, the cross parallel passage in Matthew 16, 17, and 19 Jesus says, Blessed thou art Simon Jonah, flesh and blood does not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. So God alone can reveal to people who Jesus is. This is very important, lest we think that we're sufficient in ourselves or because we're so smart. So the fourth occasion of prayer by Jesus marks the dependence on God the Father to reveal that Jesus is the Messiah by the Holy Spirit to sinners for repentance. We're looking to God to make this revelation to the sinner, not a dependence upon mere information, be it archaeological evidence, manuscript evidence, or persuasive words. No, it's the conviction and illuminating work of the Spirit of God to bring that sinner to the point of repentance, to see their need of Christ. And they have to make a decision. The vehicle is the Word of God, the gospel. As it is proclaimed. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. The Holy Spirit was sent by the Father. And Jesus said that he would convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment in John 6, 8. The Holy Spirit does that as the word is proclaimed. Not the pastor. Not the teacher. So many people are so arrogant behind the pulpit. We should be broken and humble that God would even use any of us to communicate the gospel. So the fourth occasion Jesus praised was at Cesar Philippi for revealing Jesus. It's a God thing, <laughs> not a man thing. The fifth occasion comes in chapter 9, verse 28 through 36. The fifth occasion Jesus praised was on the Mount of Transfiguration to reveal. The future glory. Um, Jesus just announced to his disciples that some of them would not die till they saw the kingdom of God in verse 27. In 28, Luke says, about eight days after these things, Jesus took Peter, John, and James, and they went up to the mountain to pray. And the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. The word for prayer for the fourth time means adoration and worship. The word alters, metamorphoses. we get our word from it. From a caterpillar to a butterfly. Glorify, transform. Notice Moses and Elijah in verse 30 to 31 are seen in their glory. The representatives of the law and the prophets here, speaking with Jesus about his exodus, his departure when he goes to Jerusalem to die. Be buried and raised from the dead after three days. This is six months Under the shadow of the cross from this point on. From this point Jesus always mentions his death with his resurrection. All the time together. Disciples didn't get it. They were looking for a conquering Messiah. Not a suffering Messiah. They were looking to rule and reign. Not to serve. They were shocked when they got to Jerusalem. After a bit of nervous talk by Peter. 33 to 36. The three heard the father's voice out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Hear him. They saw the second coming in preview form here. <laughs> That's what they saw. The second coming of Christ in preview form. You get the other preview in Psalm 2. The fifth occasion of prayer by Jesus marks a dependency on God to prepare us to leave this world of temporal and inferior glory, confidently longing one day to be just like Him. Listen To Second Corinthians four sixteen down to five eight. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. That's where we live. As Christians, we understand this. We need to bring our thoughts in captivity. Before we live for the world, this and that. How sad that we thought it was just of getting stuff and doing things. And and once you got it all together, then you got to fight to keep and then you die. And that's it? God help us. Nothing wrong with the things, but I don't live for the things any longer. Do they pull on me? Or they want to? I have to say no to Xavier. It's okay for you to say no to you. In fact, it's good for you to say no to you. He goes down in chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, and that's a good description. This is a tent. You ever go camping? It tells you one thing. You're only here for a little while. If it's destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, designed to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we... Who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed or naked, but further clothed that not mortality may be swallowed up of life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given to us a spirit of a guarantee. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in this body, this tent, We are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The minute you give up your last breath or I, I am instantly present with the Lord. This body will go to the ground. This body will be raised up when the Lord comes back in the rapture. He'll glorify it just like His. But when I die, my spirit goes instantly present and my body goes to the ground. Okay, I don't sleep and pull a number that says one trillion, five hundred million, four hundred, I get in line. No, the word sleep is a euphemism only for the Christian, resting. In fact, you get the word cemetery from it. Okay, the word sleep is never used of the non-believer, never, only of believer. And that doesn't mean literal sleep, it means that you're no longer here, you're before the Lord, and your body's in the ground. In fact, First John 3, 1-3 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, Jesus... We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and everyone who has his soul purifies himself even as he is pure. The greatest incentive for holy living is that the Lord can come for me right now or I can die. That should hit every Christian. I'm looking for the Lord coming for me and if he tarries, I'm going to die like anybody else. The fifth occasion Jesus praised was on the Mount of Transfiguration to reveal the future Glory, it's very important we keep that in prayer. We're always constantly in our foreman, the Lord can come. The Lord's coming for me.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, closing out a list of occasions in which we find Jesus praying with the very one that promised his future glory. Some important and unique simple truths he draws from the Gospel of Luke. And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's still much more to come right here next time as well. However, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can always pick up your own copy of this message. And the title to ask for is The Prayer Life of Jesus. It's available on CD as usual for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. Once again, the title to ask for is The Prayer Life of Jesus, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us check on the impact of this outreach in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese.